Hey there, it's Matt from Generator. I would love for you to be able to listen to all of our new podcasts as soon as they come out. So please make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or just head over to generatorpodcast.com to listen to the library of past episodes as well. The full video versions are also available on YouTube on my channel at Stone Tree Creative. While we're talking social media, please follow our accounts on Instagram and TikTok as well, both at Generator Podcast where I post highlights from current and past episodes and give you insight to what it is I'm actually doing here. Lastly, if you're like me and are planning next year's marketing budget, you should think about the power of this platform in sponsoring growing shows like Generator. All you have to do is get in touch and we can start that conversation. So that's it. Thanks again for taking the time to listen. And now let's start the show. And so we meet again, folks. Welcome back to Generator. Here we are at episode 21, and this week's episode is pretty special for me. My guest is Kat Ford Coates. Now, Kat is an award-winning portrait photographer with a studio based in Asheville, North Carolina, and she's been a fixture in the portrait community for years. Not only was she one of Sue Bryce's official mentors in the portrait system, but she has helped thousands of photographers, including me, build profitable and sustainable studio businesses. She's got a no-nonsense approach to systems and workflows and finances, but she also teaches a wonderful way to connect with clients. I started working with Kat back in 2018, and quite honestly, she's become like a sister to me. She was my first business coach, and I rely on her probably more often than she realizes. Kat has recently launched the Studio Takeover, which is a full-blown education platform for photographers looking to level up their business with expertise in all aspects of building a successful studio, from marketing to finances. She's become a go-to speaker at conferences like WPPI and the Portrait Masters. She's a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll, and I wouldn't have it any other way. It's been incredible to watch how much she produces year over year and how far she's come in the five years that I've known her. In this episode, we talk about business, of course, but also about the ups and downs of creating an education platform from scratch. We talk about rebranding and content creation and building community and so much more. We've packed a ton into this hour, and I can't wait for you to hear it. So let's get started with my guest, Kat Ford Coates. What are you drinking? Some bourbon, some Elijah Craig. Ooh. I was like, it's Christmas time. I'm going to go talk to Matt. I'm going to bring some bourbon. Oh, that's that's my girl right there. Little Elijah Craig warms <laughs> you up from the inside out. It's great. Yeah. Um, how have you been? How have you been? You've been Good. super busy with the studio yes. takeover. Oh, my gosh. So busy. And like, it's so funny because all year I've been at this like high pace of motion. Like I think I've been back and forth to Arizona, like six times, maybe seven, uh, Vegas, the UK, Germany, Italy, Mexico, like, and I kind of hit a wall. And as I was building takeover and building the, the platform, the education platform, I was like, this is, this is too much. This is not sustainable. I teach sustainability. Like, what are you doing? Uh, and so the Q4 has really been 
pretty terrific in kind of slowing down and curating what it is that I'm teaching instead of just teaching on the fly and like off the cuff. It's been really nice to just like be at home, have a Christmas tree, like yeah. live my life a little bit instead of just, you know, chasing what I think I'm supposed to do and saying yes to every opportunity. Now it's, <sighs> can breathe yeah. and enjoy some whiskey. <laughs> I saw this shift in you, I don't know, a couple months back. It's probably longer than that, but time is irrelevant these days. You shifted from all of the things you were doing to just labeling yourself, I'm a creator. And I noticed once you started saying, I'm just a creator, not just a creator, but I'm a creator, that things really started to fall into place for you, that you were really intentional about everything that you were doing and didn't feel like you were running around. Do I have that just about right? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been with, with Sue Bryce now since 2015. When she started developing her self-value platform, of course, I was 1000% in. Even having been with her for eight years already, right? She still has this way of teaching you that gets right to the heart of things. And when she said, I don't work, I create, I went, oh, right? And that for me was really like, okay, what do I need to do to, you know, because I've been mentoring now for like five or six years. And this evolution with Studio Takeover from just being one-on-one -on -one or small group coaching into like a real deal education platform was going to take some intention and, you know, creating that education from a space of love instead of just recycling the same things I would say over and over and over again. I was like, no, I need to be teaching people instead of just regurgitating content. That's not to say that like, you know, I, I know the content backwards and forwards, but organizing in a way that makes it mine and putting that emphasis on the heart space, the mindset space, and the same things that I teach my students about, you know, time blocking and setting those intentions and creating what it is that I want to create. Well, they all are true for this too. And, you know, in order to walk the walk, that's exactly what had to happen is I had to look at everything from a space of creation. And what's really been exciting about it is, you know, when you create with clients, there's always like a collaborative component, even when they're like, no, you just do you, right? Like there's still an expectation there. Now what I get to create still has some of that, but now it's based off of what I know that I needed, you know, 10 years ago, right? right? How do I create with abandon? How do I fail and not hate myself for it? How do I build this sustainably without all of the mishap and the pitfalls? It sets up the studio takeover and some of the questions I wanted to ask you about that because I was watching, I was watching shift mm -hmm. and the shift workshop is all about the heart. It's all about defining what it is that you want. I know that I've struggled with answering that simple question. What do you want? Sure. Since I heard Sue ask me that months and months and months ago, maybe a year ago at this point. I struggle with it because there's always something in my brain that wants to take priority, right? So if I say, for example, what do you want? Well, I want 
do you have financial freedom, live successfully with my portrait business? That means I personally, let's throw numbers around. Let's, I want to make $20,000 a month. Now I know that in order for me to do that, I need to have my systems in place. And I also need to really break down into bite-sized chunks, how I'm going to do that. So it doesn't sound so insurmountable. Right. And when I do that, there's always something that takes precedence. For me, I know that's a, a symptom of not setting boundaries. How do you define what it is that you want and then keep that picture clear and work towards it every day? So I think when we pull numbers out of the air, like that ephemeral, I want to make 20 grand a month, then you have to say, okay, do I want to net 20 grand a month or do I want to make in the studio 20 grand a month? Is it congruent with what I'm doing now, right? So if you're only doing three grand a month right now, 20 is probably kind of a tall order, right? But if you want to net 20 grand a month, then you need to be doing at least 30 probably, right? In order to just double. So addressing congruency, I think, is something that a lot of people miss. But in the definition of what it is that you want, you know, the, as Sue calls it, the unfolding, right? Like my want is I want more than just small group coaching. I want a platform. And that means that whether I have 20 mentees in that platform or 2000 mentees in that platform or 20,000 mentees in that platform, right? I have to treat every single broadcast, every single course, every single post in the private groups, right? Like they're the only one in the room. Right. You know, so I keep that in front of me by just saying, like, I am doing what it is that I want at the scale I want. Not yet. Mm -hmm. Right. But I am. So, like, if it's a portrait studio space, right, let's take it out of the education piece and just look at, okay, in the portrait space, you're saying, okay, I want to let's say it's net. I want to net 20 grand a month. That means I have to do 60 grand a month, but it needs to be more than that. Right. Not the number, but you have to tie your heart to it. Right. Like, okay, let's take the numbers, the the financial numbers out of the equation and say, well, what's your average sale? If your average sale is three thousand dollars. Right. That means if I can do, I don't know, five sessions in a month. Right. So if there's five sessions and the goal is 60 grand, well, that's 12 grand a session. So maybe we're off balance there right but if it's 10 sessions are available okay that means that my average sale needs to be six grand Mm -hmm. how else might this work if your average sale is three does that mean you can do two people in that day or is there something you can adjust in your pricing that allows you to increase your average sale is it incorporating a sales area you know like there are a million ways to look at it but then it goes from I want to generate 60 grand so I can net 20 to how many people do I need to be in front of? Right. So if I need to be in front of so many people, like, is it the podcast? Is mm-hmm. it networking groups? Is it inviting people out for breakfast every morning? Sure. Right. How do I increase those numbers to start increasing referrals and opportunity for me to ask for a sale. That's kind of how I I look at it. Like I keep that in front of me. Okay, well, I know if I need to hit 60, then now the unfolding of that, the next step is how many people do I need to be in front of if everything stayed the same? Mm -hmm. Is there anything I can innovate 
that allows me to generate more revenue, right? Is there a passive strategy I can put into place? Can I implement a subscription for the people I've already worked with, right? right? To start building those numbers so that I can hit that goal and hit that target. I know a lot in there for a lot of people are their own limiting beliefs. Right? Oh, We've yeah. had conversations about limiting beliefs and fear. What are you seeing in your students and your mentees when they come to you? What do you find that they're looking for, right? What's the most common thing that they are typically up against? Generally speaking, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, when folks are seeking you out for education and mentorship, there's already an established business behind them for the most part, right? There are some, mm -hmm. some, some new folks as well, but for the most part, there are folks that are looking to really level up and get, get themselves on a bigger track. Well, they want to scale, right? They, they want to go That's from, the word I was yeah, they want to go from that, like inconsistency space and they want more money. They want more bookings, right? right? When really, the issue is not necessarily that they need more bookings. Like, yes, that's a truth for them, but their systems aren't in place, right? They've wanted to like piecemeal the system based off of their community or the market or, you know, like somehow they're special and guys, I love you. I mean it, but you are not special. You know, there is a system and a recipe involved in, in creating sustainability in your portrait business. There just is, and there are a million ways to do it, right? The way that I teach is the way that works for me, has worked for me for the last, God, it'll be 12 years in March. No kidding. Uh, yeah, and I didn't discover it until I found you know, Sue Bryce. And here's the thing, I came into her system and her education thinking the same thing. I want more bookings. I want more money, but I'm special. Nobody will pay that here. And all of that really just wound up to being about me and what I thought about myself, what I thought about my work, because I didn't have, there was no way for me to self-validate, right? Because I failed out of college two times. I just crushed another business that I was running, right? We shuttered our doors the same year. Uh, and I was ejected from another industry entirely for being too old. So I was coming into the space like really super disempowered in my ability, capacity to create anything sustainable. It wasn't until I stopped making exceptions for myself based off of my limiting beliefs of nobody will pay that in my town or I'm not good enough. You know, and I say quotations and it sounds like, oh, she's kind of being a bitch, right? But it's true because it's the same limiting beliefs that we all run up against. Every single person I've ever worked with has run up against this. And I still run up against it. Every time I raise my prices, any of that comes up, it comes up in me like, are people really going to, what? You don't start innovating and tweaking the system until after you found success in the fundamentals of it. Yeah. Once you had su success in those fundamentals, that's really when you can start innovating and tailoring to you. Uh, but you can't do that on the front end because you don't understand the why for all of the steps yet. Yeah. And the why is important. You know, I think there's a lot of folks that, that hit a, hit a point. They've either enjoyed some success or on their way to enjoying that, but then things slow down or shift or change and the desperation starts to creep in okay. and we start changing more variables than we should at a given time. Instead of just 
changing one thing at a time, measuring it, seeing how it works. All right, right. that wasn't it. Let's try this over here. I know that a lot of folks, and I've been victim to it as well, we just want to change. Nothing's working. I'm going to change all of it. I'm going to blow it up and I'm going to start over again or I need to redo my website or I need to avoid doing all the hard stuff because I, I need to print these accordion cards or whatever it is. When instead it's really stepping back again, looking at what is it that I want? How am I going to get there? Where are the real holes in my systems? And how do I move forward and change one thing at a time so that in aggregate, all of it starts to work better? Well, because we want to change all the things at once because it's faster. Sure. Right? Like I don't want to change this one variable and then measure and then another week later, change another variable because that takes like how many, how many weeks, right? So we want to change everything at once and think that we're smart enough or analytical enough to see what it was that triggered the shift, right? right? But we're not. And then everything blows up in our face. Then we're shooting everything we don't want to be shooting and working with clients we don't want to be working with and producing work we don't want to make. But then it's all in the name of, shit, I got to pay my mortgage, right? Yeah. Like, and I've definitely done that a thousand times, right? Like, I don't know what I'm going to do to fix it, but I got to pay this rent today. Thinking about that and projecting it onto you with the creation of the studio takeover, what have you been learning as you're build, going from, you know, um, having students and mentors and doing your online coaching like you've been doing for years to building an actual platform? What are the things that you're learning in doing that? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Do we have enough time? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. I just sort of came into it like, oh, I'll be able to just run a Zoom and attach the Zoom to the website and, you know, like thinking it's yeah. and that is not the case, at least not to have anything like password protected. And so there's this, of course, when you start a business, they tell you like list out everything, you know, all of your charges and so on, and then, you know, triple it for what you think you're going to need. And it's so true, even in this space. And I see why other people do it with investors uh, as well. And, you know, like self-funding, you know, bootstrapping is always how I've done anything. So yeah, like I'm learning all sorts of things. I'm learning about my own boundaries and my own pace, right? So I'm still taking studio clients in addition to my associate photographer, but my ability to turn things around is taking much longer because I'm giving myself the space to create the courses and the materials and the content and the advertising. And I'm learning a whole other new realm of marketing that is just sort of like a, an amplified version of what I would do for the studio. You know, we have the podcast now and a TikTok and like <laughs> all of this stuff that, that I've never had to rely on before. But knowing like the impact of podcasts, you know, like giving people an opportunity to to engage with your energy and your voice is just a way that people consume content these days. So to reach a bigger audience, you know, learning all of the things. And, you know, one of the one of the collegiate industries that I failed out of was audio engineering. So that's been kind of fun to be like, oh hey, finally, <laughs> 20 years later, I get to put some of this to use. Uh, now, what do I remember from those courses? That's another story. But yeah, like just everything is at scale at this point. And so, you know, I'm a bull in a China shop. Like I will just show up and break everything and be like, well, I guess I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. You know, one of the things in 
shift as well, one of the quotes that really got me was create the path and release the how. And I've seen you do that over and over and over. And I've tried to instill a lot of that in my own stuff. When I'm, I'm a creator, I like to come up with yes. the ideas. There's no stopping me when I'm in that mode of creation. However, there are far more ideas than there are minutes in the day. How do you accomplish all the things that you want to accomplish? I see you creating content nonstop and it boggles my mind that you actually sleep. So how do you manage the content creation, the platform building, the shooting, managing your employees, all of that? And don't just say calendar. So <laughs> how, how do you how do you manage all of that? Stay sane, but also stay upbeat about what you're doing and not feel defeated inevitably on those days where it just gets overwhelming. Well, I think that's really what I ran into in like September, October, yeah. like was that I hit a wall, you know, even, and you know, my, my time management, my time blocking is pretty much my Bible. And I was not allotting enough time for all of the things. It put me in such a mode of chase. And for anybody, if you followed me for any extent of time, you know, one of my favorite things to say is stop chasing. Like I can feel it when it comes up and I'm like, mm, no, no, this is not for me. Right. Uh, but that's really what, what happened was it was just, I was chasing all over the place because I wasn't giving myself the opportunity to hold a Well, hell even create the boundary in the first place, let alone hold it. So I think it really, you know, as far as the content that I'm creating is because I am a creator, it does not matter what I'm creating right? It could be a business plan. It could be a fugue. It could be a course. It could be a painting. doesn't matter. Like my, my brain doesn't really separate. This would be perfect, right? Like, because it's photo, it was really just about learning how long it would take me to create something. How long does it take an editor to edit the thing? How long does it take me to film the thing? Then I just made a spreadsheet, and this is just for the course content, like not even, you know, the social content or the marketing or the sales funnels or the landing pages or blah, 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 right? It, I had to understand what kind of boundaries I was working with because in the studio, like as a photographer, I'm pretty fast, but I didn't start that way, right? I started with these types of photo shoots, these portrait sessions, we're running like four and five hours and I loved every second of it. But then I started looking at the math and like, well, yeah, it's awesome. But if I could get this down to two hours, I could do three times as much, right? Oh, if I could get this to two hours with the image selection appointment, now I now we're really talking, I could do four. Well, if I have just a long day, I could really do 10. And that's when it was like, oh, but to do 10 in a single day, that means I need support. I need an assistant and I need somebody else handling image selection. Okay, what's the cost on that versus what I would make? And then I was like, oh, now we're really talking, right? Because if I do that, you know, two days a month, three days a month, four days a month, then like we're looking at exponentially more money. And when I shifted from just, I love shooting, I love empowering people, I love all of the great feel good stuff, right? 
from, you know, the artist side of me to the business side of me, I'm not available for the struggle anymore. I'm not the late mortgage payments, the do I pay the power bill or get groceries, like those conversations were my life for 20 years in adulthood. Yeah. Right. And so when I shifted from that, that's really when I just started dialing in on process. And the same is true for takeover, right? It's okay, how much time do I need to do this thing? All right, I need to organize it. So it's not just what are we shooting today? I don't know. I just got a model. Let's see what happens. You know, and I'm sure it it will probably turn back around to something like that because I think I do a lot of my best work off the cuff, like with limited planning. But right now I'm micromanaging myself because I don't want to just create. I want it to be world class. I want it to be so valuable for people. It's like a hell yes, a full body yes. In the final product that I'm seeing you put out, the effort is far and above anything else that I'm seeing anyone do. The production value that you're bringing to some of these classes is phenomenal. Shine, marketing creation, foundation of freedom, right? You've you've leveled up so far in terms of production value. It's wonderful to see. Not only does it create value for, for your students and for your subscribers, but in terms of longevity as well, nothing's dated. It all looks great. Um, and it all sounds great. And there is a quality that lets people know that you're just as invested in this as they are. You're not just a fly by night throwing education out there, which seems to be what a lot of folks are doing these days as they struggle to fill their pockets during the lean times. Everybody's an educator now. But to see you lean into this in the way that you have has been really cool to see that it can be done at a high level and with wonderful value. And you're there all day, every day, communicating with the community, communicating with the students. I love seeing someone that is so invested in the future of their own students. How has it been building that community, right? Coming from portrait masters and the Sue Bryce world as that has evolved. I'm sure there are tons of lessons in there about building community. What are the things that you're applying now to build this new community? It's interesting. You know, I mean, the portrait system with, with Sue was a godsend exactly when I needed yeah. that education and that community. And one of the things that Sue has always been really great at is building that connection and I don't think my work would be the same even remotely without connection. And I've, I've brought that connection, right? That ability to connect by seeing people and hearing people and holding space for them from like the space of how it was modeled to me by Sue into my work with my, my studio clients. And I think that is probably one of the, you know, after the posing and the lighting, like it's that connection to people heart to heart, right? That allows people to get value from anything. When you're dealing with creatives, like everything about their business, 90% of them are artists through and through, right? There's 10% that are like, oh, you know, like this seems like it would be fun for a while. We'll give it a whirl, right? And you're like, why are you here, bro? Um, but the other 90% really is that, you know, they're, they love to do this thing and it means so much to them, 
right? And they want to provide this experience to their customers, their clients. And that's also like their biggest strength and their biggest weakness because it's tied to their heart. That's where all of those limiting beliefs and those blocks come up. So what I'm taking from the portrait system is that ability to connect and organize. And I do give a shit, right? Because every single person that comes through my doors as an educator, like I can't get to my next level without them getting to theirs. So if they're struggling with like, well, I have a good average sale, it's like 1700 bucks, but I only get like one or two people a month. Great. Let's get you to four a month, right? Because that in my world is success. That's holding space for you to really get it and to pick up that volume. Because once you have even a minimal win like that, right? Going from $2,000 a month to what? three, six, almost 7,000 a month, right? Like that's a big shift and that sure. gives you security. And when you can get to like a safe zone where like your minimal survival budget is met, mm -hmm. then everything else you can gamify, right. right? But if you're in such a place where it's, do I pay the power or my insurance or do I go into day 10 for my mortgage versus paying it on time so that I can eat and put gas in my car, then it's never going to work because you're always in that chase mode. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting to be in that chase mode. It it's is. exhausting to have everything running through your head all the time. I've got to do this or I'm not going to eat or be able to feed my family or put my kids yeah. in school or buy Christmas presents or whatever it is. Like there's always going to be something where it's going to kick up in you a little bit of that chase. And this mm -hmm. is where I know for me, it has, it, I have to have unerring faith in myself that everything that I'm putting in place is going to work. Now, that's not to say that I have blinders on and that I don't need to change things that I'm doing or adjust the course and, you know, level up in different ways. But there's got to be that internal faith. I think once it starts to creep in that you're not good enough or this is never going to work, those are the harder blocks to get past for me than networking or connecting with people. It's right. my own belief in self. And one of the things that I found in portrait photography, because you and I base a lot of, of things on that interpersonal connection, making sure that we have a solid connection with the clients. I find that these same feelings of inadequacy or imposter syndrome, whatever you want to call it, are common regardless of industry. I think oh, it's absolutely. just, you know, cultural at this point. And it always reminds me to keep coming back that if I'm holding space for someone, they're there and feeling safe and heard and seen. And that reflects back on me. And I start to think about, you know what? Things aren't so bad. Not to say that their, their problems are worse, but we all have these issues. I'm not alone. I can relate to other people regardless of what they do. We all generally have the same struggles. And it's the connection that has allowed me to see that rather than treating people as a product or a means to an end. There's mm -hmm. got to be that connection because I think that adds so much more into what we do and what they receive as part of the experience. Mm -hmm. 
I saw that you've created this create workshop and you talk in there in the um, description of it a lot about connection. Can you talk a little bit about what you're doing with create? So create, you know, I am an educator as an educator. I would say my number one purpose is to get money in the hands of photographers, mm -hmm. right? Because there's this like, I know it sounds dramatic, but there's this like cancerous assumption that because we're creatives, because we're photographers, we have to work for cheap. That's just a load of bullshit. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because in my business, like when I get into those like 10 day sprints, right, where it really is just one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, I can make a lot of money, but I also am cookie cutting. And so, yes, I can make a lot of money, very systematic and, you know, just make it happen. But at the very same time, when that's occurring with, when I sit down with a customer and they're, we're getting ready to go into their shoot and I just immediately start directing and shooting instead of connecting, that's when I know I'm way out of alignment, right? That I'm just walking through and just going through the paces. But my work is always at its best when I stop and take an opportunity to connect not only with the person in front of me, but with myself and what I want for this experience, whether that's for me or for them. Hey, let me ask you something. Do you ever feel like your style could use a bit of an upgrade? Well, I've got just the place for you. It's called Cyanide Bunker, and trust me, it's not your average store. At Cyanide Bunker, they craft handmade jewelry that's as unique as you are. I'm talking pieces that aren't just accessories, but statements. Whether it's the headhunter bracelet, the skull stud earrings, the sugar skull pendant, or even their custom bracelets, each piece tells a story, your story. I get it, you're not looking for the same old run-of-the-mill imported junk. You want something that speaks to your soul and supports a small business right here in the US. Well, that's exactly what Cyanide Bunker delivers. Their pieces are handcrafted in Maine with a touch of the unconventional, perfect for people like you. So if you're ready to add some edge to your style, head on over to cyanidebunker.com, use code GENERATOR, and get an immediate 10% off your purchase. Trust me, you won't just be buying a piece of jewelry, you're buying personalized wearable art. So check them out today, cyanidebunker.com. When I started, it was during COVID, I started shooting self-portraits. It was really just to kind of experiment with light and like, you know, I would bring home a couple of units and like just experiment like, okay, let's see if we can replicate window light, you know, using gels and shooting through windows and like all of this stuff. But that's when I started getting really excited about shooting again. And of course, you know, we're slap in the middle of the pandemic. Nobody's going anywhere. I'm not photographing anyone. But that's when I was the most lit up about creating. So as much as I want everybody who, who works with me to be sustainable and making money, I also want to remind us all we're artists. We might be artists who also happen to be business owners or business owners who also happen to be artists, but they don't have to be mutually exclusive. It's funny. I put out like one of the, the magazine covers for the workshop and one of my students, she texted me and she was like, this light right here. How, how, how? And I was like, you got to play, babe. You got to play. And it's through the connection to yourself and giving yourself permission to explore and giving yourself permission to fail. Mm. Failure is exactly how I walk through 
everything in this space. And when you get to fail with art, I think there's this like, it can be a little bit of a roller coaster, but it's always, the end result is always, oh my God. Yeah. I love risk. And I've talked about this before about the difference between fear and risk and risk is, you know, moving forward anyway, Mm -hmm. despite the fear. I think there are moments in life where we kind of put it all on the line. What's one big risk that you're glad you took? Ooh. It doesn't have to be with the studio, but just in general, in life, right? You've been through a lot of different careers as I've been. What's one risk that you're glad you took? I think I'm glad I took all of them. So one of my top three in the sacred money archetypes is Maverick, and they are the risk takers. I love taking risk. I get excited about taking risks. (laughs) And like in kind of a weird, probably somewhat self-deprecating kind of way. (laughs) But like even when I first invested in my education with Sue, right? Like I was so broke Uh, and I overdrafted my account investing in her course. Or when I bought my house, I was bartending. This was in, we closed on the house in... 2010 in Mm -hmm. June. In February of that year, I was bartending at this place and they were closing for renovations for two weeks. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take this two weeks and I'm just going to hammer on my credit report. Right. And I dove in like face first. That closure turned into like nine weeks. And through that entire nine weeks, I was writing letters and on the phone and like all of this stuff to clear out my credit report. And had that not occurred, I would not have purchased a home four months later on zero deposit. But the risk in that was me finding out that I was never going to be in a position to own a home. I often refer to my time as a bartender as the time I put my life on hold. Mm. Uh, And for a long time, I was really scared that I put it on hold for too long. Mm. You know, a lot of people go into the restaurant business like it's just that bridge job. Sure. Right. And then I was there for 12 years. Yeah, and it's a um, career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a career. I was really struggling with, oh my God, what if I can never get out of here? Yeah. And if I can never get out of here, can I ever live my life? Like really live my life. And so I don't know that that's really a risk per se, but the risk to me wasn't like a, a financial risk. It was, am I going to find out that I'm just not good enough? What's the worst that can happen, right? Can't be any worse than the position that you were in. Why not bet on yourself and move forward? If you're not able to clear up your credit report, you're not really going to be in a worse position. You can keep working on it. So there's this moment where you do have to bet on yourself. I know for me, it was when I lost my job in corporate, I was doing consulting and I was just done with the whole corporate thing that I wanted to do something radically different. And so I threw myself into photography and started building this career. And I think that for me was a risk of saying, all right, I can do this. I always have something to go back to. What's the worst that could happen? I get myself into a little bit of trouble, but I'm not setting myself back decades. Mm -hmm. But if I'm successful, boy, oh boy, I get out from under the thumb of corporate America and I can really live life for myself hell or high water, like I'm going to make something happen. Was there a piece of advice that echoed in your head? Was there something that someone told you? Was it something that you told yourself? Was there a phrase or something that was going on in your head that you just had to follow that voice into, you know, this next phase of, of life? 
I, I think for me, like I really tried to keep it very lighthearted at that yep. time because I feel like everything was on the line looking at it logically, right? Like we can say, like, you can always keep working on your credit report and, you know, like doing whatever. But I knew that if I wasn't successful at this thing that I never would be. So if I didn't keep it really light and like, oh, this is fun. And I'm going to go do, you know, these phone calls today. And like, I'm going to haggle with some creditors, like, you know, all of that, you know, I've, I've struggled with, with depression, like my entire life. And that comes from a chemical imbalance, but it also comes from self-worth. And, you know, at that point in time, I was drinking every day. I was smoking every day. I was not taking care of myself at all. I think the last time I'd seen a doctor at that point was probably 97. Yeah. The risk was that I was going to find out I wasn't as great as I always thought I would eventually be. And putting myself in a position to learn whether or not that was true was really like, okay, cap, it's now or never. I've seen you change multiple times and always Phoenix out of that growing. There's always a better version of cat that comes out of that fire. The Phoenix always rises into something better and something bigger. My default is to burn it all to the ground so that I can rise up. Right. right. But that's also my self-sabotage too. So yes, the end result is to cat 2.0, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. But on the same token, was the phoenixing part of it really necessary? Right. And this, this was going to be the question is, you know, what does breaking the mold mean to you? Does it mean just stepping back for a moment, taking assessment of everything in front of you and figuring out a new path forward? Or is it burn it down, burn the bridges, just cauterize everything and start something new. What is, what is breaking the mold feel like to you? Historically, it has always been burn it to the ground, right? Like, I'm not just going to quit. I'm going to walk out and I'm going to take everybody with me, right? Like that big dramatic martyrdom bullshit. One of the things that I really like to, to remind myself and teach on, you know, is enough is a decision, not an amount. Um, Say that again enough is a decision and not an an amount amount right so enough is whether we're talking about i am enough whether we're talking about you know anything i've had enough of this yeah is a decision but it also requires that i place new boundaries right and so i can choose to phoenix that i've had enough torch it burn bridges ruin relationships la 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 or I can simply just have had enough and walk away. You get to decide what that is, right? But for most of my life, it was torch it. You and I are a lot alike in that there's parts of my life that I even still try to forget, you know, I just, oh, I can't, I can't go back to that period of time in my mind because it'll drum up all these feelings and, you know, think about lost opportunities because I was stubborn or you know, blind to what was being presented to me or whatever the fact is, my default very similarly is to nuke and pave. Mm -hmm. That never existed. Let me come up with a new Verdmat 2.0, 3.0. I think we're up to, I don't know, 7,500 thereabouts. (laughs) But I've never regretted 
not doing any of those things. And I'm a big believer that all of those things led me to where I am. And Absolutely. that's, that's not some cliche Instagram thing that really is. I've done a lot of thought about this and the, the paths that have led me through life have brought me to a place where I'm infinitely more content, happy. There are still struggles, but I'm infinitely better off with myself where I am now because of all of those things. If I were to write your book today, what would the title of chapter one be? Where do I start in the autobiography of Kat? Oh, probably my death. Mm. Instead of the chronological, she was born in New Jersey in 1976, right? It's, <laughs> I would probably, as far as my, my autobiography goes, want to start with like either at her death, this is what happened, right? Or mm. the impact, you know, I was listening to your podcast with uh, Johnny Edward a couple of days ago, yesterday, day before he made a comment and it's funny too, because I texted him and I was like, ah, oh, Mr. Rance, man. But one of the things he said, I don't know that it was triggering, but it definitely like caught my attention. He was saying something about legacy and how portrait photographers lean into the space of legacy and people in 300 years aren't going to give a shit about your photo. And I think that the purpose of legacy isn't just so your grandkids have something to glom onto when grandma tells them about their great grandma. You know what I mean? Like your legacy is you loved yourself enough to be timeless. Hmm. When I think about the autobiography of Kat, my legacy isn't going to be only a catalog of self-portraits or only the students that I've helped or only the people that I photographed. The legacy of Kat is more about the power of changing lives through legacy, mm. right? The ripple effect in this space is gigantic because as portrait photographers, we impact everyone's life that we photograph, whether they realize it at the time or not. I was photographed when I was 15 and it was the first time in my life that it wasn't a surprise that I was in the room, right? Like I was there modeling for this thing and a professional photographer was like, okay, cool. And like, we did a photo shoot and la, 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 la. And I didn't realize that until God, 30 years later, that that actually changed the trajectory of my life because somebody did wasn't seeing me as this awkward fat stupid human but actually as a valuable contributor to this project and if that's what we do for every single person we work with holy shit so chapter one can be about that impact that butterfly effect because what happens when that woman leaves your studio or that young girl leaves your studio or that young man leaves your studio or that older person leaves your studio and they're walking taller, maybe they're taking a different risk. Maybe they are not hating themselves quite so much in the mirror. Maybe they're asking for that raise or deciding to bet on themselves to buy the house because of an impact you had on them through your work together. That's legacy. That's what we lean into. It's not about the photo just for your, your grandchildren or your great grandkids. Like, Yes, that's a byproduct, sure. But oh. I love the secondary and tertiary effects that we have the potential to give to people. Mm-hmm. That it doesn't just end when they walk out the door. 
they are going to go someplace and feel great about themselves. They're going to treat the folks around them differently. People that see the photos will think of them differently and right. perhaps in a much more positive way. I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's, I've been watching a lot of ancient aliens lately, right? <laughs> and a lot of, a lot of how the universe works. And, you know, this is kind of like my nightly thing. And what I drift off to sleep to is thinking about black holes and quantum entanglement and just getting real nerdy. Inevitably, I come back to how am I making an impact in the infinitesimally small amount of time that I'm here, that I'm interacting with people? What is the impact that I'm leaving? And I struggle with that on a daily basis. Am I being impactful, not only for others, but for myself? Am I doing the things that my legacy, when I look at it at the end of my life, will I say, man, I, I wish I had done more conference calls. You know, I really wish I had finished <laughs> that spreadsheet. I really wish, man. I really wish I would have worked harder. Yeah. So when I think about all of that and the concept of legacy, I think you, you know, you tuned in on something that Johnny said that I think struck a lot of people. Because it just makes us think about what it is that we're doing. Why are we here? Why are we doing right. what we do? Why do we choose this profession? Why do we choose to interact with people the way that we do? I keep trying to scale it back and say, all right, if I'm only known for the art that I create, what would my art say? Because I'm not going to be around to tell people what it means. What would your art say about you if people were to look at this body of work not know who you are, not be told. What do you think your art would say? There are definitely many tracks I could go down on what I hope it says. How people receive art, how people consume art, I have to leave that to them. My intention could be that she gave a shit. Empowerment is such a, a cliche word right now. It's a trigger word. Yeah. You know, the same with like alignment or, you know, insert whatever. My goal is to illuminate the grace and the strength of every single person I photograph. And I don't care who you are, right? Whether you're five, whether you're 80, whether you're man, woman, trans, non-gender, non-binary, whatever. Like my goal is to show you that you are whole exactly as you are. So that would be my hope that it's received that way. Beyond that, as far as like, adjectives to describe it, I would have to leave that to, to the masses or the one person that sees it in a hundred years. <laughs> no, I, I love the fact. And I think that is the, the mark of truly someone that is an artist that puts their art out and lets folks interpret it how they will. And I really like that. And there wasn't a, a trick question to try to guide you into that, but I think you answered it perfectly. We, we get so wrapped up in what we want other people to think about what it is that we do rather than just creating in the moment of where we are in our lives and just creating mm -hmm. that thing, right? And oftentimes we look at things, <laughs> our own art so singularly, I like this photo, I don't like that photo, I like this lighting, I don't like that lighting, rather than looking at all the variables, what was going on in our lives? What was our connection to this person? And all of those can be different to everybody when they look at it. So I love the fact that you answered the question that you leave it up to the viewer because I, I believe the same thing. I know why I produce what I produce, but what you see in it is a reflection of your own 
life experience of the way that you well, I mean, that's, that's how we do everything, right? Like your sure. perception of anything is based off of your own, your own current space. Sure. Um, one of the things that I've always really admired about your body of work as a whole is I can always tell with your work specifically, whether like I'm looking at it on your website or scrolling through on Instagram or, you know, insert vehicle here. Right. Um, I can always tell when you are feeling constrained or unsure of yourself mm-hmm. versus when you're in like a fuck it free moment. Yeah. Right. Like there is this, the way you architect your composition is wildly different when you're going through motions versus in play. Sure. Like, and I think that's so interesting because not everybody shoots that way. Mm. Right. You would think that that would be like a kind of common piece. Um, in my experience, like it's actually very few and far between because most portrait photographers, right. That are in the business side of it just want to show it being pretty. Right. Right. Versus like actually connect and speak with their work. Uh, They want their work to speak for them, but they're not really sure what they want to say. Like when you see like, do you guys like color black and white? If you're asking me that, then you don't know what you're trying to say with your imagery. Uh, And you are really terrific at like, no, this is obviously constructed this way. Period. The end. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something, you know, oftentimes I don't, I have to rely on again, the belief in self stop the conscious questioning about what you're doing. Just do the thing. And a lot of times I let my emotion rule how I'm shooting. Sometimes I'm creating a product. You want a headshot? I can give you a headshot. Here we go. Right. And it's not even going to be necessarily an artistic headshot. It's just, all right, I'm making a product because you want me to create a product. Mm -hmm. We're not there collaborating and working together in the same way that I would in a more free form artistic type of shoot. And it's interesting that you, you notice that because I don't even know that, that I notice it, but now that you bring it up, it absolutely makes sense because I find myself in different head spaces. The best work that I ever create is when I don't give a shit when I'm just there in play, just in the act of creation. That's when I create my best work. The stuff that I'm like, did you did you see this? This is amazing. I did that, I did that, that was me. And then I get back to the studio and I'm like, there's no way I'm ever gonna be able to create that again, right? And all these, <laughs> I'm not in that environment. And it's a really strange battle to fight because I'm proving time and again, oh, I can make this. And then over here, there's the part of me, well, no one wants that. They just want the straightforward. They just want the headshot. And I find myself, they don't know, know, right? It's up to us to talk to them about it. I notice very similar things with you. There's an expansion that I see when you go into these modes of creation, I see you explode with that, whether it's competition season or whether you've started a new campaign and you're energized, it's explosive color and light and design and styling is astounding. So when I'm looking through your work, I'm like, God 
damn, she can do anything. And I think that's the mark of an artist or a photographer that loves failing forward, like you talked about early on, that isn't afraid of risk, like we talked about. Yeah, no, I'm definitely not risk averse. Do you find that that's the maverick part of you? As oh, just, yeah. One thousand percent. Let's like, just drive on. If there's risk involved, I want to do it more, even without evaluation. I'm like, let's go. I know you've got the studio takeover, and that's consuming an inordinate amount of your time. But looking at 2024, as we're here at the end of this year, at the end of this amazing creation period for you, where's 2024 taking you? You know, 24. I'm I'm really looking forward to just focusing on takeover right now, mm-hmm. using that as a vehicle to make really fun art and using it as, you know, teachable moments. Yeah. Um, you know, and like there's, there's some travel still involved, you know, I'll be speaking at WPPI in March. Oh, great. Um, I don't want to make anything concrete outside of studio takeover right now, as far as like plans for the year, you know, like there's some vacation time, like oh, sure. plopped in there in a couple of spots, but uh, like, that's my priority. Uh, and making sure that, you know, like my associate photographer is supported and, you know, they're in motion and that leadership's there. Um, but at least now I can point them to videos instead of <laughs> just <laughs> teaching in the moment. Like, that's what I'm really connected to right now. And yeah. that's my my focus. So when it's about like what's next in 2024 is the evolution of that platform and connecting with all of the people who are trusting me with their businesses and their education to help all of them elevate. Because I think that that evolution will have a ripple effect so incredible that I'm just not even prepared for yet. Like I said earlier, insane value in what you create going through all of the videos on the site trying to keep up with what you're putting out because there's so much literal drinking from the fire hose and it's not rehashed content from other platforms. It's your own style. It's your own method. It's your own insight. And that's invaluable because it's all based on real world experience. So as I go through shine and shift and foundation of freedom and really shoring up the parts of my own business that I take for granted or have gotten Mm -hmm. lazy with, Having everything in one place with that edgy kick in the ass that I need three to 400 times a week, having you be there and providing all this is astounding. For those people that are listening or on the fence about getting in touch with Kat or looking at her as as an educator, I can say firsthand, I've been studying under you for, what, five or six years now? I think 20... 2017 thereabouts, I think is when I started with you. It's been life-changing. So I cannot wait to see how you build this platform out. And I I like to think like, oh, what's it going to be like when I was there in the early days? And, you know, suddenly the studio takeover is this massive platform. That's what I'm looking forward to. And I hope you are too. I mean, it's it's out there. Like I can see it kind of like, you know, like a twinkling light on a Christmas tree. It's really powerful when you start to think about connection. You know, we talked about connection with, you know, the create workshop and how we photograph people, but the connection that you build in relationship with students to friends, to family, you know, like you started working with me, I think it was in 2018. 
I think yeah, it was eighteen. It, yeah, it's about that's about right. Because yeah. I think you were on my like second or third like mastermind you know, call, mastermind or something. But since that time, I've watched you go from like it won't work here to <laughs> diversifying your your offerings to working with me on film crews. Mm-hmm. And I would I would easily say like you're one of my closest friends, mm-hmm. right? And in that like support an ebb and flow of that is next level. Yeah. Right. So it's not just about like, yes, I would love to see studio takeover be wildly successful and have thousands and thousands and thousands of photographers, like just out there, you know, crushing it. Like, yes. Right. Like (laughs) I dream of genie, like wiggle my nose, make it happen. The level of connection that occurs with people when not just they trust me. Right. But, they start to embody what they're learning. Yeah. That sets me on fire. Yeah. Right. Like to see them go out into the world the same way that confidence is built in the studio, right. They go out in the world and they start commanding these professional rates and they're excited to work with these people and they're excited to make, not just make the money, but to make the art like, and know that they're cared for like, holy shit. Dude, like that's that's like the expansion I'm looking at. That's what I want to see. There's no doubt that that will continue. Kat, thank you so much for being here. Um, I know we've been trying to do this for a while. We've talked over and over and over about getting you on here and just having a, a real life conversation. And, you know, I will also plug your podcast, which you just started, right? You just released the first couple of episodes. Yeah. They're out on YouTube. Where can people find all of that? Oh my goodness. The studio takeover.com, all of it. And the podcast itself is the studio takeover. It's on all the platforms, the Apple, the outcast, the Spotify, all the things. Um, but the source for all of it is at the studio takeover. I can't wait to see you out at WPPI. I did buy a ticket. I don't know how I'm getting there yet, but I will be out there and I will be going through the whole portrait masters and WPPI, the full, the full boat. So I'm heading out there. And I can't wait to spend uh, an inordinate amount of time following you around. So uh, I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a great time. We'll, we'll have some Elijah Craig when we get out there. What do you think? Yes, we definitely will. We definitely will. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you, love. Hey there. Can I ask you a favor? If you're loving every minute of the show, and I hope you are, then subscribing is like becoming an honorary member of an exclusive club. Subscribing means you'll never miss a single episode, and trust me, you won't want to miss what I have in store. But here's the extra special request. I'd love it if you could take a moment to leave a five-star review. Your review is like a virtual high five. It lets me know I'm on the right track and helps others discover the show, too. Your feedback and support mean the world to me. I read each and every review, and they inspire me to keep bringing you the best content possible. So grab your phone and show some love with that five-star review. It's quick, it's easy, and it makes a huge difference. Thanks so much for being an amazing listener. Together, let's keep the conversations going. Subscribe, review, and let's make this podcast journey unforgettable.